Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning. It's a Friday morning. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with uh, got Jeremy Jones co-hosting with me today. We've got guests Jacob Norman and David Rochester. We're going to be talking about 401k plans and college debt. I'm not sure which one of those is more important, 401k plan. If you get through college, you get your 401k plan, and then what do you got to do with the college Well, you know, it's debt? one thing at a time. You got to take one <laughs> thing at a time, and all of it's important. All of it's important, but you got to participate in all of it, whether it's paying things back and saving for the future. There you go. So it is kind of, you know what, that's a good point. You do have to start, and it starts kind of early. If you're paying attention, you, if you do have that college debt, you do have to look back and say, hey, I earned the right. Jacob's going to help us with looking at that. David's going to start us on that journey to make sure that at some point in time out there that when you do retire, you've got your three-legged stool that you put together. We talk about that a lot, the idea behind Social Security being one leg personal savings, and, of course, qualified plans, or your 401K defined contribution plan. David's going to give us some insight into what to look at with that. David Rochester and Jacob Norman are both uh, registered representatives at the firm and uh, do a great job for our clients. And uh, if you'd like to talk to them, I'll tell you a little bit. You can just simply call the telephone numbers, 757-5757, and uh, ask these guys uh, any questions that we might get into talking about that. But, uh, Jeremy... You've got some data for me. I really like this data. The fact that every Friday when we start the program, we kind of throw some of the statistics out, some some information that I think is extremely interesting because it's uh, stuff that you don't normally read. Yeah, when you're reading different things, and especially when you talk about the S&P 500, a lot of people have heard on the news about the S&P 500 and the performance. And, you know, one of these statistics is directly from the S&P Dow Jones indices, and this is all about revenue generated by companies from the S&P 500. And we don't think about this one, do we? We don't put this in the – we think everything happens right here in the United States. Absolutely. And this one is really interesting that 46% of the revenue generated by companies in the S&P 500 is produced from sales to consumers outside of the United States. 46%. That's almost 50 cents on every dollar is outside the United States. But the second half of this statistic is what blew me away. I had no earthly idea this could be this case. Just 6% of the revenue generated by companies in the S&P 500 is produced from sales to European consumers. That's that's that that's really amazing to me yeah. because I would have uh, I would have never thought that that was only six percent that we went to Europe. Uh, I guess they're so they're contained within themselves. They don't really use that much from us. But there's a lot of other countries. So when do. people say that we are a global economy, we are a global 50% economy. Fifty percent, almost, almost fifty percent, and uh, that's that's critical. One of the thoughts I had that uh, is kind of a, a process that we look at that less than two percent of the banks 
Here's an issue for you that uh, banks, savings and institutions in the United States, uh, this is from the FDIC, hold 80 percent of the deposits maintained in the FDIC. Uh, the, you know, that's the insured institutions nationwide. That's as of December the 31st this year. Uh, that's 80 percent, less than 2 percent of the banks hold 80 percent. That means they're stuffing. <laughs> there's a lot of money and, in the vaults. And to speak about 2 percent, there's uh, – 6,509 total banks and savings institutions holding $11.8 trillion. Wow. Well, if you just tuned in, this is Talk Money, and that's what we're going to be doing, talking about money. We're going to talk about 401K planning with David Rochester coming up in just a moment, and uh, also with Jacob Norman coming up uh, after David. We'll kind of talk to these guys at the same time. Uh, We'll be talking to Jacob about uh, retirement, I mean, about college debt. So retirement planning, that's the benefit of having a 401K, and then how do you get out of that college debt? Jacob's got some great information for us. You can like us on Facebook. You can find us at iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Listen to this podcast later on. Of course, this is uh, I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones. This is Talk Money. It's on KWAM 990. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM. My guest host today is Jeremy Jones, and we're going to be talking with Jacob Norman and David Rochester about college debt and also about to, how, why do you need a 401K and how do you get started with that 401K, the benefit of having a 401K. But before we do that, you know, one of the things we talked about, Jeremy, before the break, we talked about um, banks and how they kind of hold on to a lot of money. Well, they have a lot of money. I mean, they've got these regional Fed banks that we've got uh, are holding on. They're not lending the money. They're holding on two point, almost $2.4 trillion, the Federal Reserve tells us. And, uh, you know, that's uh, maybe that's part of the reason why we read, uh, you know, the FOMC met this past uh, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, I believe it was, and they talked about a little bit of the slowing of the economy. We don't have much inflation going on. So when we look at what's happening in the market, uh, interest rates don't seem to be going to be rising. At least they've told us they use the word patient. Remember they, they talked about that? They've been using words, you know, they'll be patient, yep. and they've now taken the word patient out. Scratched right through it. <laughs> and the the power of just scratching through the word patient changed the market the in market, just one day. Is. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, because I think they're delaying it, they're pushing it out now probably to the summer as far as raising interest rates. So, you know, again, that's one of those things you can't really get around it and try to figure it out and work on it. But Social Security is something that you can figure out. And we do a program all the time, a lot of times, about Social Security. But you've got one more statistic for us on Social Security, Jeremy, that I absolutely think everybody needs to hear. Yeah, and with uh, us talking about retirement uh, planning today and 401ks and why it's important because it's part of your retirement income, which Social Security is going to be a piece of that. That's for, right. That's for, part of the for most student. of us anyway. Exactly. So what this uh, statistic is about is talking about paying to wait. 
and this is directly from the Social Security Administration, is, you know, for those of those that are looking at claiming at age of 70, which um, that is waiting to the maximum age. Extend, in other words, you just you file, but you, ex- you just, you know, yep, you just wait, wait. till 70 mm-hmm. to start claiming your Social Security. It would be 76% higher than if you claimed it at 62 so so everybody, those that are wanting to just go ahead and take advantage, if you would just wait and hold. So it, talking about paying to wait, a 76% increase in your payment if you would just delay it. Just delay it. And, you know, we, we I have watched that happen. I can remember years ago where everybody thought that if they got to Social Security, if they got to 62, they would start getting the money. And uh, now we're seeing that that delayment, that delay payment is really uh, kind of uh, what's happening. We're seeing a lot of people extend and say not 66, not 67, but waiting until retirement at age 70 because a lot of times we haven't saved enough money for it. You right. know? And uh, so uh, maybe we might figure out something from Mr. Rochester this morning, who is a registered representative for Shoemaker Financial. And if you'd like to talk to David, 757-5757 is the telephone number. But David, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you having me back. Let's, uh, you know, you are a frequent guest of ours. You always do a wonderful job. And I, I feel like sometimes when we talk about 401k, that everybody and his brother has a 401k, but we find that that's not actually the case, is it? You are correct, Jim. Uh, if you look at it right now, 401ks represent $4.4 trillion uh, in U.S. retirement. That That's only 18% of all available retirement dollars. So there's $24 trillion out there between uh, pension plans, what we call defined benefit plans, 401k plans, and individual IRAs. But how many Americans today have 401k plans? Uh, Jim, based on statistics from Investment Company Institute, there are right now 515 million Americans with 401k plans. So we're looking at people that got 401k plans, but now what about the investment array? I mean, how, you know, when you talk about it from that perspective, I guess I'm looking at, you know, how do I, how do I know? I mean, we should say to every person that to have a 401k is a privilege. The employer is saying, "Hey, we want to, you know, make you give you a benefit to help you out." But um, tell me about how you get started with this investing side. Well, first of all, I think particularly those of us who are employees, we think, "Well, four hundred one k is difficult." You know, it's I don't understand it. I'm I'm uneasy with it. I, the old days, we used to hear, "Well, the company manages my money," and that's no longer the case. Four hundred one k plans are designed to give employees the ability to manage their own money. In fact, the requirement to manage their own money. And so uh, it, it comes down to understanding. Uh, what we see is today most uh, participants in their 20s are heavy in equities, the stock market. About 80% of their 401k dollars are in the stock market, whereas those of us who are in our 60s, nobody in this room, but I'm approaching that, uh, we have most of ours are lesser amount in equities and a little more in bonds. Well, and that's the reason why they have it called a 401k plan is really employer-sponsored. So the employer just sponsors it, and it's employee-driven. So the employees are the ones in charge of making their own decisions to how much they participate in it, how much they contribute, how much, you know, where they invest. So the employer's responsibility is just to offer the array and offer the 401k, which is a good offering. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about some of those benefits. Okay, well, first of all, um, as an employee, we've got to keep in mind that it's, it's relatively easy if a 401k plan is available to your company to participate. It's, it's, it comes right out of your salary, so those dollars go in before you get paid. It's tax deductible, so all the dollars that go in are yours. You, you, they are yours for retirement, 
but we also get to deduct it from our payroll for tax purposes. So we're getting a tax break there. Just I was thinking about this as, as we were coming in, just a quick example. Let's take an, an individual who is uh, in a 15% uh, nominal tax bracket, okay? And they put a dollar into a 401k plan. By the time they take the tax deduction, it only costs them $0.85 cents to contribute that dollar. Now, add on top of that, if an employer offers a match, where meaning that they're going to put dollars in if the employee puts some of their own money in, I call it skin in the game, then that employer comes along and let's just imagine that they match that employee 50 cents on that dollar. Well, the employee got a dollar and 50 cents deferred into his account, okay, but it only cost him 85 cents after tax. That's a great deal. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. when you when you say it's a, you know, a great deal, but <clears throat> what about the person because I know Jeremy you and I do a lot of work with 401k's. And I guess the thought is I'm the employer, you sit down and you set this plan up. How do you how do you get the employee to realize the benefit that they've got? You just said there's a huge tax deduction. I mean, there are contributing pre-tax dollars. They're going to pay the taxes when it comes out, you know. So, but how do you convey that? How do you, how do you get the employee excited about putting money aside? How do they discipline themselves to do that? Because that's great, what we're talking to. Great point, Jim. I, I think first of all, we've got to look at, and you mentioned this earlier when you're talking about Social Security is that you know our parents or our grandparents looked at Social Security as that could potentially be a lot of their retirement. That is not the case anymore. There are very few uh, of us who will be able to depend on a defined benefit plan, a, a true pension. And as salaries have gone up, Social Security wages have not, or Social Security benefits have not kept pace. So we're going to have to save our own dollars. Um, but from the standpoint of I'm going to get a tax deduction, I potentially am going to get some matching dollars, I have the opportunity to participate in investments like uh, mutual funds. That is a huge opportunity from my standpoint. Well, you know, and that is a good point. But now we, you mentioned that uh, you're not in your 60s, which you are in your 50s. I'm glad to tell you that. I know there's only one person <laughs> Thank here you, Jim. I appreciate in their you 60s. Let's know- uh, make sure okay. all the radio audience heard that. <laughs> well, hey, I, Jim pointed I, I, out I'm I, in my that's 50s. okay. No problem. But, Jacob, you're not. Now, Jacob, let me introduce you. Jacob is also a registered representative and investment advisor at Shoemaker Financial. Works with a lot younger group of people, Jacob. Yes, now. Uh, so now here I am talking to you. You're talking in a few minutes about getting out of college debt. I mean, here you are, you graduated, you got college debt and you can't, I mean, 401k contributions is the last thing in that generation's mindset. How do you get these guys to say, I need to start saving money? Uh, It's really just about developing good habits. So whenever I think about a 401k and I convey that to the mind of my client, it's, um, conditioning yourself to be in to create good habits at a young age. So you go in and you, you check a box when you're doing your benefits, and it says, do you want to do or make contributions to your 401K? Well, your parents have probably told you at some point to do that. And so next thing you know, you're getting a paycheck, and before you're able to actually see those dollars, they're already uh, stashed away to a retirement account somewhere. So through that, it's just kind of a passive conditioning way of teaching yourself to do good things I like the way you said the word habit, Jeremy. When he said that, I mean, we are trying to establish habits at a young age. I can tell you that uh, I was in a, a meeting recently this past week with a with a young person in their 50s, David. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, the reality that they had not, not really been as disciplined as they had needed to be. They didn't start, Jacob, when they were 30. 
they did, but it was very small. Now I understand there's con- you know there's competition for that dollar going into a 401k plan. It's the 60 cent 60 inch screen TV. It's the new bass boat or the big truck or car or whatever you want to say this. I fully understand that, but. But, Jeremy, you do a lot of this. You get tons of phone calls because of the 401k plans that we manage. And the reality is, how do you talk about allocating money and how do you encourage them? I mean, if they're getting a match, it's a benefit. Yeah, it's 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 very hard for you said the key word there is it's fighting for a dollar. And when you're fighting for the dollars, well, then you have to start talking about what's most important to them. Yeah. You know, if, if, whether it's college education for their kids, if that's if that's top priority, then we do need to put a focus there. But does it have to be the whole dollar? No, but it, could it be 60 to 70 cents of that dollar? Could be. Uh, but then if retirement's second on the list, then we have to start talking about that. And how much do we need to start participating there? But then it gets back to the matching. If mm-hmm. if that person's employer is has a match and we're not reaching that full match, that's what we first, that's automatic that we have to get to. All right, let's talk about that. For our listening audience, let's make sure that if, if you're a participant in a 401k plan and the employer is matching, explain it, Jeremy, to the client, to the listener. What does that mean and why is that such a big benefit? Well, I mean, it's it's free money, right? Okay. I mean, it, it is money in your pocket that you don't expect. You just, because you're participating, you're participating. it's an extra dollar. It's part of your compensation. It's a benefit. For example, like he was saying, David was saying, if I contribute a dollar and they're paying 100% up to a certain percentage, just say that uh, 1%, and I'm doing 1% of my payroll, I'm getting an extra 1%, the exact same contribution, right into my account every year as long as I do it. Mm. And so that that is critical. I mean, it's basically a double payment. Well, it's two hundred percent return. Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I put a dollar in. They put a dollar okay, in. We didn't say that over the radio. Yeah. <laughs> but two hundred. But I know what you're. It but, is though. It we're, is. We're doubling our it money. Has nothing to do with the market. Right. It's just it's that extra contribution. Yeah, take exactly. the investment out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Let me ask you this, David, since I am hammering this over 50 age. I love it. I enjoy doing that. <laughs> now, Jim, let me, before, you, before you hammer on that, <laughs> let me mention that, I'll be honest with you, 50 caught my attention from a saving standpoint. Well. Because guess what? I've got kids. I've got college. Sure. And though, I'm being pulled out for those dollars as well. But I, the, the imminence of retirement and having to live on what I've saved for the rest of my life. Oh, wait, you, you know this. My wife's grandmother just turned her 102 this past Sunday. That's right. That's a long time to be retired. Absolutely. I've got to save a lot of money. That's a great point. Uh, I had a phone call yesterday with a client, a 401k participant, 55 years of age, wanted to talk about their 401k allocation. But the biggest thing is the reason why they were interested and wanted to talk more about it is because they had two kids that just got off payroll. <laughs> and, and empty so, nesters. That's it. Empty nesters. So the college thing, the paying off debt, well, they, those kids are gone. They're through paying for college and those extra expenses. Now they want to increase yeah. their contribution. That's a great thing. So that should be the first thing instead of – Getting used to having that extra money and going out and spending it and having fun with it, it should immediately go right towards saving towards your retirement when you're in but your But, Jeremy, 50. you also understand compounding. Yep. If you think about the 20, 30 years of compounding that's been lost, look at the amount of money they're going to have to make up in contributions yeah, now. That, that's, oh, absolutely. That's a lot of Big money. Number. If you start early, Jacob's, is at Jacob's age, and you start doing it early, uh, you can have a lot of money by the time you're 65 right. years old. And David, you put out a good point, though. Most people don't realize that when I started in the business, if you retired at 65 and you were dead at 72, that was pretty simple retirement planning. Today, 
You retire at 66, 67, 68, and you're going to live to be 85, 87, 90. Watch the obituaries. That is very true. They're getting older and older. And we've always talked about the three-legged stool, but the reality is the competition and the way we think about retirement. If I sit down with a 25-year-old, I can't even get a conversation about retirement planning. You're correct. I mean, it's about the competition that you're talking about. I get to a 45-year-old, and we might be able to start maybe talk for 10, 15 minutes, but you get to a person 55 years old, ah, we're going to be there a day. You got my attention. Because it is a, it is a priority that moves as you get older. We just tuned in. Of course, just, uh, we're listening. You're talking. We're talking about money. Uh, we're talking about 401k planning and uh, Jacob Norman and David Rochester. We're going to be talking about college debt in just a few minutes. But I need to bring an update for you because we have concluded the investment competition between some high schools here in our city, Germantown High School and Briarcrest High School, uh, it has come to a close. We've went the whole six weeks, the investment competition. It was back and forth, but uh, each school received $100,000 of virtual cash. The school with the best overall return after the six weeks has won a $500 Gift certificate, or actually, we're actually delivering cash and a cake and party goods, and the whole class is having it. It's the Germantown fourth period class, Mrs. Likely's class, and uh, they have done a great job of just just burrowing everybody else. They uh, they're the winner. Uh, they'll be presented a check, and of course, we do have a consolation prize for the second place people, Briarcrest. Uh, we're going to take that out to them also. But well, they, you know what? We had them on the show a couple of times. We talked to them. They enjoyed it, and uh, we're looking forward to next year's competition. Oh, I, I think that's a great thing, especially with virtual dollars. I can have fun, fun with virtual dollars. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no consequence. With no virtual, consequence with virtual dollars. <laughs> hey, I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Jeremy Jones, who is my guest host today. David Rochester, Jacob Norman. We're talking about 401k planning and college debt. We'll be back in a few minutes because we got a lot more of this program to go. Stay with us. Uh, it's uh, one of those programs that uh, I think you might learn something. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Jeremy Jones, my guest host today. And along with, uh, we have two people in the studio. Jacob Norman's talking about debt. David Rochester is talking about 401k. But before we get back to them, let me remind everybody, we tell you about this all the time, and we appreciate so many people are um, responding, and we thank you for that. In fact, I just was talking to someone this past week that called as a result of us mentioning it and wanted to make sure that they could uh, get to the seminar. It's a Social Security seminar, March the 26th. At the office at Shoemaker Financial in Germantown. It's hosted by Rob Clement and Jim Whitehead. It's at 2 o'clock p.m. You only have to do is call Judy at 757 5757. That's uh, Judy Clement and um, RSVP for her to her about that March the 26th. It's a Social Security seminar. Uh, Rob Clement and Jim Whitehead will be hosting that and teaching about Social Security. Bold event. We talked about bold. Jeremy, you do a lot of that with business owners. It's April the 2nd. It is at 5.30 again, 757-5757. Judy is the person to talk to if you'd like. It's all about how to the sustainability of a business, uh, about succession of a business. So if you happen to be listening and would like to know more about that, just call Judy. Or, Jeremy, you do a lot of that uh, at the office. And uh, if you did a bold event, that would be for that person that is thinking about succession. Just the whole idea of business planning, right? Absolutely. Business owners have a lot of things going on, and so they have to think about themselves but also think about their business and 
getting someone to help them put it all, bring it all together and keep it simple. And it is difficult because, I mean, they're, they're, they've got a lot of things on their plate. And uh, what we do is try to come alongside and help them kind of get that together and uh, move in the right direction. Uh, David, one of the things that uh, we talk about when we discuss 401k planning, the, the reality is it is easy. Payroll deduction makes it easy. That's that's kind of the thing that everybody needs to understand. You once you make a decision, it can be automatic for you. You don't have to fret over it. You don't have to get to worry about it. It, it. But there is something that is a benefit of the fact that it's payroll deducted, and that's dollar cost averaging. Explain that exactly what that means. Yeah, Jim, that's a term I think a lot of times we don't really understand what that means. So when you look at the rise and fall of the markets of prices, okay. So let's just take as an example, if, if somebody were putting money into a uh, equity mutual fund uh, each payday, the price of that fund is going to fluctuate. It could be up some days and down some days. It's, it's going to be change. Uh, it's going to change daily. In fact, it, it changes by the minute, uh, but it does change daily as far as the closing price. So when an employee puts money in, uh, ideally what they'd like to do is, is buy it every time it drops. And But if they look at their balance, they don't want to see it drop. So dollar cost averaging gives them an opportunity to put in a level amount of money. And if the price is up, they buy fewer shares at the same price. But when the price is down, they get more shares of that same great company that they're buying into. So they're buying cheaper over time. And most of the time in 401ks, Jeremy, we see a lot of uh, mutual funds. And so, as you said earlier, David, too, that uh, 60 some odd percent, uh, according to American Retirement Institute, that uh, young people, Jacob's age, they're putting most of that money into equities, and this allows them to get the float of the market with that. The exactly. Dollar cost That's correct. All right. Um, let me throw this one out then. You got the guy over 50. Okay. Me. Me. I like that. Uh, what about catch-up provisions? You know, that's a great point, Jim. Uh, when we were talking about earlier, just fighting for those dollars to be able to set them, set them aside for retirement. And we know that, as Jeremy said earlier, we're looking at being more of an empty nesters, kids out of the house, uh, hopefully through college by the time uh, they're 50-plus. Fortunately, our system, the IRS, has given us a provision where we can put in more dollars starting at age 50. So whereas in in this year, in 2015, uh, anybody under 50 can can defer out of their salary into a 401K $18,000 during the year, uh, those age 50 and up can add in another 6000 giving them the ability to put in $24,000, again, tax deductible, in 2015. So that's that's a in a 401k, that's their maximum that they can contribute. So if their employer doesn't offer a 401k, what, are the, what other options do they Great have? Great question, uh, Jeremy. So uh, everybody that has an earned income uh, has the potential to put money into an individual retirement account. So they can set up their own. We, we, we hear the term all the time, IRA, stands for Individual Retirement Account. They can set up their own individual retirement account. One of the things to keep in mind there also, Jeremy, is uh, today, you know, you might just have one working spouse in a household. So it would be easy to assume, well, if the non-working spouse doesn't earn an income, they can't put money into uh, a retirement plan. The answer is incorrect. I mean, that is incorrect. You can actually set up what's called a spousal IRA, and uh, that can be funded as well. So in an IRA, uh, me as an individual, so when I'm contributing to it, how does uh, do I get the pre-tax benefit of that? 
as long as you qualify. Now, Jeremy, you do okay. need to check with your tax professional to make sure that you can deduct that because there are some limits based on what your earned income is. Okay, very good. Well, you know, the thought about it is is that uh, it's discipline. Jacob, you mentioned the discipline side of it just a few minutes ago, and I think so many people have to realize that we are having to put together, and we refer to it, it's just something I heard years ago, the three-legged stool, knowing and understanding your Social Security benefit, making sure that you're contributing Social Security. I mean, obviously you are, and checking it every now and then, getting some kind of an idea of what that's going to be, having a personal savings plan, a discipline, setting aside X number of dollars that will be after-tax dollars for you at some point in time when you retire. And then, of course, now we're talking about qualified money or pre pre-tax money that's going to be in the 401k or and we could have talked about 403b if you happen to be a not-for-profit but the reality is making sure that you're doing it and we've talked about matching we've talked about the reality that you don't have to pay the taxes on it well it's just getting started you know no matter everybody that has an employer they should check and find out if they have any type of retirement plan no matter if it's 403b 401k whatever it's called and you can contribute you need to just get started. And this is where the HR department of where you work plays it very important. They're the knowledgeable people about the plan. Uh, we're the investment advisors in a lot of cases. We're the fiduciaries. But these, the HR people are the ones that are really spending the energy and the time and understand the plan, this plan document of what you can and you cannot do. They can tell you what your investment array looks like. Most plans today, I can't think of anyone that doesn't. You can go online. And see what you're, you know, available there. So, I mean, it's documented that the Internet's helping a lot. So it, it's a person's own fault if they're not doing disciplined and getting into the plan. But uh, we're just trying to encourage everybody to realize that you've got to save. Mm. You've got to set aside the money. Jim, uh, you, you've mentioned a three-legged stool. I know back 20 years ago when I started with a firm, the three-legged stool was also one of those third legs of what we called a defined benefit plan. You work for an employer, they set a plan up for and you. And they did it for and you. And they funded it. Yeah. They did everything for you. And and we've seen a, a huge decline in those. But one thing I do want to mention is I had somebody in the office this week who has gone into semi-retirement. Uh, they have a defined benefit plan. But they realized in that meeting that they had worked for an employer years ago for adequate number of years. They had a benefit there that they had forgotten about. Yeah. And through our conversation, they realized they need to go back to that company and contact them and find out what that benefit's going to be. We see a lot of people with that little benefit that they've forgotten about, and they've got to go back. You're exactly right. If you just tuned in, this is Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones. We've been talking with David Rochester about 401K plants. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jacob Norman. We're going to talk about that burden that is sitting on that young person's shoulders. They've all of a sudden graduated. They've got the degree. They're ready to go make some money. But their problem is they've got to get out for one of that federal student debt, if that's what they have. So we got to talk about that. So we'll be back in just a minute. First of all, we got to listen to Rebecca Brazier at a Mid-South Moment. On April 27, 1865, the SS Sultana sank, causing the deaths of 1,547 people. With a death toll higher than the Titanic, this remains the largest maritime disaster in U.S. history. A combination of poorly done boiler repairs and excessive overcrowding caused the boilers to be overworked, resulting in a horrific explosion that was visible in Memphis over seven miles away. The explosion was so powerful that some of the survivors were found in the treetops along the shore. 
The remaining passengers had to brave the freezing waters of the Mississippi as the ship burned. It took over an hour for the first rescue ship to arrive, and many of them died of hypothermia. Most of those rescued later died of severe burns in Memphis hospitals. The story was not well featured in the press coming one day after President Lincoln's assassination. Although the Sultana was carrying Union soldiers, the people of Memphis showed their generosity by hosting benefits for the survivors and taking them into their homes. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones. I want to remind you that you can like us on Facebook or you can find us on iTunes and just simply go to iTunes, search for Shoemaker Financial. You can listen to this program or any program that you might have uh, only got a portion of at one time and you want to listen to it again, uh, but remind you that you can do that. So like us on Facebook or go to iTunes, search for Shoemaker Financial and pick up one of the programs. Or if you would like to get a question answered that you've got that you say, well, you know, you guys talk almost answered my question, but not quite. If you'll just send it to me at TalkMoney at ShoemakerFinancial.com, we'll be glad either to personally get somebody to answer that question for you or we'll address it on the air. Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. In fact, you de- pretty much dedicate, did, or dictate, not dedicate, dictate to us what we do on the program by your questions and uh, retirement planning and how do you get out from under the debt? That's why we're talking about Jacob Norman and uh, college debt. So, Jacob, again, sir, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, Jacob, here it is. Um, I'm graduating, and I've now stepped out, and I am into the world. I'm not thinking about a 401k plan. I am thinking about college debt. What do you do? I mean, it's it's a real it's a reality today. Thinking about buying that new car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just I was thinking about. It. I am very glad I'm done. Just Trust to... me, because I've seen it. I've seen the graduates, and you know, an actual a pharmacist that I had one time. She graduated. The first thing she did was bought her a brand new car. You know, so at least she had a few dollars left over to Abs- save. Absolutely. In uh, in my short time with Shoemaker, I, I, I've seen a handful of situations just like it. And you know, the big deal is is I got this huge, huge low student loan debt, and I still want to maintain a lifestyle. Can I still do some cool stuff? And 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 what I have, the advice I have to parents of children graduate with student loan debt is go find somebody that can help you develop a plan of attack. What's the best way to approach this situation where, yes, you can maintain a lifestyle and save for some extra cash? I think oftentimes we forget what puts us in debt, and that's not appropriate saving. It's mm. not having the cash to buy what we want. Mm. Um, so yeah, for parents, students that are about to graduate, tell them to go find somebody. You know, Jacob, you mentioned that. And and I have to say that that's pretty wise because it would be real easy. You know, if you step out and you, I mean, I can see Jeremy, when you talk about, you know, I know exactly what you were talking about with the car. You want to go buy a car. You want to, you've, you've been under this burden of just getting out of college, getting out of professional school or whatever you're doing. And you want something that you've earned. And Mm -hmm. so a reward. And then you and it, it the mindset, Jacob, is to somewhat almost push back the inevitable and say, I'll I'll deal with that. I'll I'll deal with that. I'll do, and at some point in time, it's going to deal with you. And uh, so you're talking about going out and getting a counselor and like yourself and say, help me put together a plan. Yes, sir. The uh, it's a corny phrase I use frequently. And it's it's you know, what's the best way to eat an elephant, Jim? Oh, I, I know that one. One bite at a time. It's absolutely one bite at a time. And, and, again, it's all about how you plan doing it. And then we teach, in my attempts with students that are graduating, 
the the biggest thing I believe I can teach them is the concept of paying yourself first, uh, treating yourself as a bill. Mm. Uh, we're talking about 401ks today. 401ks is absolutely a way to pay yourself first. Mm. Uh, before you pay your rent, uh, your car note, your student loan balance, uh, you're putting money back for the benefit of you at some point in the future. And I think that's huge to be okay. able to incorporate that into your daily lifestyle. All right. Let me, let's, let's, let's put it where it really is, though. I mean, here we are. We've graduated pharmacy school, medical school, trade school. I don't care what, what school you're in. You didn't have enough money to pay for it. Now, when we talk about this, we're saying that mom and dad somewhere, or if there wasn't mom and dad wasn't there, just couldn't do it. So you had to borrow the money. Now, we always tell our clients when it's starting off is to, if you've got children, to save money for college education, to, to set aside dollars and cents. And we've got a lot of those things that we've got a plan, whether it's a 529 plan or something. But what we're talking about now is that person that doesn't maybe have that extra. And they just they did have to go out and borrow some money to complete. At least they've completed. And I like that. All right. Can they? How do How do you? address them, Jacob. Just just talk to me. I mean, literally, can they get out of debt? Can they really work their way out of this? Is this? What are some ways to do it? Absolutely. Jeremy mentioned a pharmacist earlier, and that touches on one of my target markets, who I'm very comfortable with speaking on this. And so uh, if what you have to really do is remind them what they've invested in. And they've invested in their ability to earn a very solid income once yeah, they that's true. obtain a job. So uh, for the state, it's Sake around numbers here. Let's take a thirty-year-old recent graduate, and they're graduating and make a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's exceptional. They're doing great. Okay, so but they got that college degree. They got the professional school. Yes, sir. And so we take that into account, and we take just four percent increases, pay raises for cost of living, so on and so forth. Uh, over the course of the thirty-five years between thirty and sixty-five, they're going to stand to make seven point six three million dollars of earnings. That's a massive number. So when we start realizing what we're able to obtain over that amount of time, it really makes our debt, student debt burden, look quite small, almost like a rounding error at that point whenever we're talking in the millions of potential earnings. That is a big number. That's um, That puts it in perspective, Jeremy. Yeah, I, I think numbers are always good to see. But sometimes what's what they can't see is see past tomorrow, right? Sure. Uh, so we have to help them see out in the future, and that's great numbers to run them and, to, and let them know to start working on it now and what their earnings can do for them. But what are some, when you're talking about, so they still have to pay it off, right? Yes, sir. So what are some what are some efficient ways that they can take care or pay off this debt? Well, whenever we're talking about what's the best way to do this, the first thing you want to address is you really want to dial in on what their emotions are telling them. What's their gut feeling? Okay. And work off of that because uh, I think it's safe to say that it's not my debt. It's theirs. I'm just giving advice on something that's not as real to me as it may be to them. So the so emotions are not there. It's not, not for me. I'm able to look at it in a vacuum. That's good. So from a vacuum standpoint, it's easy to make a rational decision. But whenever it's your gut feeling, it's your stomach that has to, to handle these things, uh, you really have to address that first. So we have to commit to a time frame. Once we've committed to a time frame that we think we can handle, uh, then we can start implementing some practicalities. Now, we're talking about this being a federal debt. I mean, you've got, a, you've got a government debt, a grant or a Pell Grant. What, what, is that, what type of debt are we talking about? Did I go out and borrow it from 
mom and dad, or did I borrow it from Uncle Sue or Aunt Jeremy or whatever? If I borrowed it from mom and dad, it's probably not getting paid back. I'm, I'm sorry. Mom and dad's just out, out okay, of luck Okay, let me there. call. It's i got to call Sterling. And, 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 yeah, and, there you go. The, the majority of this comes from Sally Mae. There, there are some private loans out there dedicated to students. I hope you don't have to reach into that. Uh, but the majority of it we deal with comes from Sally Mae or the Fed. Okay, loans. so, all right, if I borrowed the money from Sally Mae, then what's practical? What do I do? How do I work through this? Well, you really just want to go down to what the numbers say. All right, what kind of income are we looking at? And this is where we get into an individualistic basis. All right, before we go get to that, I want to get into that in the weeds of that for when we come back. I want our listening audience to have walk out of this with a real idea of what, what are some of the ways that they can work through this and get done. You know, because it's important. So we're going to take a break. We're going to do traffic and weather and, and, and actually get a market update. And the reality is that we're going to get some idea from you, Jacob, of, of what's the practical side of financial debt. Okay? So stay with us. We'll be back in a second. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones. Jacob Norman is our guest right now. We're talking to him about school loans. Uh, how do you get out of this whole idea of having a debt that you've been, you worked uh, pretty much, uh, you know, five, six years for, and now you got to get it paid? We'll be back because we'll find more about that. So uh, stay with us. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones. You can like us on Facebook if you like this program. Find us on iTunes. Search for Shoemaker Financial, this program, or any program that you might have a chance that you didn't get to, uh, to listen to the entire program. Just go to iTunes and type in Shoemaker Financial and pick up the program that way. Jeremy Jones, of course, registered representative and an IA uh, financial services with Secure and Financial Services. So is Jacob. So is David. Uh, we're a part of a firm called Shoemaker Financial, and uh, we work with Security and Financial Services, a broker-dealer. And I uh, just want to make sure everybody, we do a little compliance work here. We have to do that, Jacob. Uh, Jacob, we were before the break, we were talking about student loans. We were talking about just the reality that, you know, a person's got that. I mean, they've spent a, uh, an educational plan, and they didn't have enough money to complete it, so they got loans. All right, I want to talk about the forgiveness or the payment of right. those loans. So, uh, like you just said, whenever we're addressing it, the first question is, is where are you going to work? Right. Um, uh, being in Memphis, we have the opportunity to work for a variety of not-for-profit organizations. Uh, okay. The city is chock full of them, between St. Jude, Le Bonner, uh, the VA, so on and so forth. Um, and if you do go to work for the not-for-profit, it affords you the ability to have potentially have your student loans forgiven if you follow some guidelines. What are the guidelines? Uh, you have to consolidate your loans. So you have to get them all under one uh, direct loan. Okay. And then you have to make 120 on-time payments. So for those out there without a calculator. All right. Let me make sure I get this. All right. Give it to me. 120 on-time payments. 120 on-time payments while working for a not-for-profit institution. Ten years. Yes, sir. 
So if I work for 10 years for a not-for-profit, you just you said one, St. Jude, perfect example. And I'm a pharmacist. That's kind of what we're talking about. But it could be for any career. You could take what you've gotten as, a, as far as an education, find a not-for-profit. I mean, I'm thinking of some not-for-profits right now. would love to have somebody coming out of college that's got an education. I go in. I spend 10 years working for that not-for-profit. And my loans are gone. Absolutely. It's an incredible incentive. And, and if you really, again, approach it with a plan, can be incredibly lucrative to approach it from that standpoint. You know, Jeremy, when you think about it, that's two good things. The student gets an education, and the not-for-profit gets uh, a, a, probably a very good employee. Yeah, I think, you know, I didn't know much about that until yeah. until being in this business and start being in this city when you have a lot of nonprofits and hearing a lot of institutions and companies that will forgive um, an employee's debt based on their time there and time served, and that's just a great benefit. You know, another thing, too, and here's my my last thought for you, Jacob, because, I mean, all of a sudden we, we've got a way to get out of it. You can consolidate and go to work. Or you can make payments, obviously. Discipline. There's always standard reason. Standard, yes, just make the payments and uh, go to work for whomever you wanted to go to work for. But it, the reality is, make the payments. But now here's the kind of, again, where that rubber meets the road mentality. Here we are. you got a student loan, a uh, substantial amount. You're a professional or you're, you're, you're you know, working in an employer where you've got a job. Uh, but what about disability? If I get disabled in the middle of this, does that loan go away? It does not. It does not. I still have to make – so somebody's going to have a burden there. Absolutely. How do I take care of that? I, we strongly consider some type of disability income protection uh, on top of whatever your employer potentially provided for you. So you got to take care of that insurance need right there because you're going to put that on somebody if something happens to you. And everybody – you know, I, I was just listening to somebody the other day, had a motorcycle accident, uh, done, done. Uh, you know, didn't die, but uh, disabled for a long time. I mean, never be able to work again. And they're only 32 years old. Absolutely. And so that happens. We know that happens. Guys, I can tell you, this has been a good program. David, great job for Thank us you. today, man. Thank I you, really Jim. appreciate it. You talked about some very important uh, uh, subject, a uh, very important subject, and a lot of things we got answered. Jacob, I think you helped everybody understand that there is a way. I like the idea, Jeremy, of 10 years, and I'm out. Uh, as far as a loan, if I work for a not-for-profit? Yeah, I, I think that's when you're talking about student debt, I think it's like he talked about, to talk to a professional, talk to someone who can help you organize your finances with student debt, paying it back, repayment is a big part of that, with also the other aspects of planning, which ties into David and the retirement planning, and working on that and just getting started. Okay, very good. Well, guys, again, Germantown, and uh, we have Germantown and uh, Briarcrest in the contest, $100,000 of virtual money. We want to congratulate the fourth period class of Miss Farley's class, the uh, the group that won, and uh, that's Germantown. This is the first time we've given them $100,000 of virtual money, but congratulations. Don't forget the Social Security Seminar coming up March the 26th. That's Rob Clement and Judy White, Jim Whitehead. Call Judy at 757-5757. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and we just want to thank these people that help us put this program together. First of all, producer and board operator Art Frederick, Francis Cor- Francis Fortner, she's the guest and content coordinator, Product production assistants Eleanor Moskovitz and Katie Brashear, compliance is, uh, I- I'm actually doing compliance at this point, Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson, thanks guys, and we appreciate you doing it. Thanks for being on the program, guys. Oh, thank, thank you for you. having us. We'll be back next week. This is Talk Money on KWAM, helping you make the most of your money. Thank you.
Jim Shoemaker, Jeremy Jones, David Rochester, and Jacob Norman are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC. A registered investment advisor, Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult their tax or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation.